Welcome to the ALEI Podcast. I'm executive producer Josh Raposa. The ALEI Podcast is a celebration of thinking and doing. We're always trying new things here at LEI, and the podcast will be no different. Each podcast will be unique. Sometimes we'll feature a conversation between lean thought leaders. Other times we'll feature a presentation from a visitor. There will be even some times where we talk to someone completely outside of the lean community. Today we'll be joined by Jim Womack, who's the author of Lean Thinking, Lean Solutions, and Gemma Walks. Jim is a regular contributor to PlanetLean.com, where he has a monthly feature called Yoga 10. Jim will be joined by author of Managing to Learn, Learning to See, Kaizen Express, John Shook. John Shook was the first American manager to be trained in Japan by Toyota. He's also played a major role in Numi and is a regular contributor to Lean.org. Today, Jim and John will be discussing Tesla from a Lean point of view. Jim, John, what would you say is the Lean point of view on Tesla? What's any take on Tesla? I mean, just what do you make of what's going on out there? Yeah. Well, it's uh, pretty exciting, but for those of us in the lean community, what's the takeaway? What do we make of this? What about those of us in the car community? I mean, you know, you have you have, a, you have this hundred-year-old industry of industries that really is being turned upside down, uh, and Tesla and Elon Musk has had a big role in that. Has indeed, um, and it's the classic case of the guy who didn't know anything. Uh, and that was his great advantage. He didn't know anything about cars. Didn't know a thing. Uh, you know, he's kind of a physicist. What he, thought he, what he thought he knew was that everyone in Detroit was an idiot and that he could yeah, do it better. That's right. And, uh, by the way, that's what we thought uh, when we first <laughs> discovered Toyota. We said, well, amazing. Everybody in Detroit's an idiot. <laughs> There's a better way to do this. And I think that was not, I don't know, those folks were idiots, but there was a better way uh, to do things. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, by the way, when you think about it that way, the, the way of the world has been, that the organization that was the best at the previous way of doing things uh, is typically not the first and is often the last to embrace the new way of doing things. Well, this is one of the great, uh, one of the great questions of what's happening now, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that uh, we think of our Toyota guys as being uh, brilliant followers, uh, not with the exception of the hybrid, uh, uh, really big innovators. So that let's suppose that, uh, that Tesla's got it right. Uh, the interesting question becomes for uh, Toyota folks is how fast can they go to embrace that which is right while not uh, uh, copying that which is wrong, which I think there's a fair bit of wrongness uh, to Tesla along with the rightness. One of the consequences of being an absolute uh, newcomer to the industry, which does have some constraints, I think are just in the physical uh, nature of things, maybe in the organizational nature of things, uh, that you come in and say, gosh, uh, we want to go fast. And fast, everything about Tesla is supposed to be fast. The car, the development process, the launch process, customer response. So we got to be fast. Uh, let's do this in a different way. Let's start to build the thing before we've actually finished designing it. Because what we're actually building, even for customers, even cash-paying customers, is actually betas. These are not what uh, the traditional car industry, the old-fashioned car guys, would call uh, a finished product. This is actually a different version of a prototype. So that uh, there the idea is we can go fast by leaving out steps, and we'll just iterate our way to something really good. And yet what we see is that that uh, actually creates a lot of problems. Like, uh, you know, Musk is building prototypes on the line that he's, if, if he, whenever he makes a good one, he may just actually sell it. Sell it, yeah. That's basically yeah. what he's doing. But the odds are not very high, are they? 
So, uh, not so far. Not so far. Yeah. So doing away with the beta build, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that, yeah. that's there's yeah, there's a the danger there. That's a little fashion. You know, that's some of that Morgan crap. It's <laughs> that's the Jim Morgan crap of proving that your product is actually yeah. something you can sell. Why yeah. do that? Just do away with that whole build. That shortens yeah. your yeah. product development lead, yeah, so absolutely. lead time. Absolutely. And it could work, you know, theoretically. Well, but it, it seems to. This is like uh, those guys who want to have a lights-out factory, and so you've got more indirect workers than you used to have direct workers. So here, we got the beta, you cut out the beta build, but the rate of launch turns out to be so long exactly. that the start to finish time to go from concept to full production you haven't saved anything, right? You haven't saved anything. You probably lost something. Now, if you do this two or three times you might get, and you might get, get better, better at it. I don't know. We're not seeing any learning curve here. How are you going to get better at it? You're building something that you haven't even finished designing. So, so you, you'd only get better at the, the more macro level. You, so you do this. So this is the Model 3. Yeah. Now you do yeah. this with the Model 4. By yeah. the time you get to the Model 10, you might yeah. actually yeah. be able to make this work. Yeah. So there's a really long PDCA cycle. In the meantime, yeah. uh, you're wasting a whole lot of money. I don't, I don't see any evidence there's any learning curve. There's just, no evidence yet. No, you wouldn't see any evidence of a learning curve until the next time, until the, till the, till the four. I mean, this time it's just going to, they're, they're just doing this by just right, sweat and working 24-7. You did the same thing with S&X. Well, that's right. He announced as a that's launch right. date that most people thought was a job one date. That's what he said. Which means you got basically serious volume. But that turns out, no, you know, that's six months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months later. We still don't even, we still don't even know what's right. actually going to happen. Okay. And the idea of doing away with the beta, it might have sound doable in your own four walls. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, yes. well, one big problem yeah. is just the supply base. Yeah, right. If you, you also prevented your suppliers from having any chance to really learn what it is mm-hmm. they really need to make for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's probably what's really killing you, yeah. in addition yeah. to what's happening internally. Yeah. When I went around to talk to a supplier that shall remain nameless and said, big, big guys uh, sell to every car company in the world, said, who's your worst customer? And the answer is Tesla. And they said, how can you be a good supplier when you don't know when you're supposed to deliver? Well, that is a pretty good question. And they probably don't know exactly what they're supposed to yeah. deliver either right. because there was so, no chance well, to prove that out through a beta right. build. That's right. So uh, this is peculiar. It is peculiar. This would seem to be the great leap backward or the great leap forward, which did not, by the way, produce a good result. Um, and the Great Leap Backward doesn't seem to be doing it either. Not yet. And uh, we'll see. He may not even get a chance to do this through Model 4 or the Model 5 to the he Model 10. He may not last. Uh, this is uh, shocking, but uh, it seems to me quite plausible. Well, as much as people are throwing money at him, uh, he's running out. Yeah. He's finally yeah. running out. Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, writing uh, my uh, monthly column, which, of course, is uh, a lean take on Tesla. And uh, so I was uh-huh. just working on it this morning. Been thinking about all this. So this is some advanced, uh, yeah. some, some advanced yeah. copy here. Mm-hmm. Could be, could be. This is the trailer. That's why it's called the trailer. Never understood that. But anyway, um, seems like it ought to be the front end of the train. The front. That's what it's the seems. front. <coughs> but uh, very interesting. And, and <coughs> by the way, it seems to me that uh, the problem for all of us with Tesla is that it really presents itself as the thing that's after Toyota. It really has presented itself that way. And for those of us who uh, want to think about uh, ideal states and uh, models of the future, uh, this is pretty exasperating. So that uh, what I've been looking at is saying, what's really new with Tesla? And in lean terms, um, what do we make of this? And it's pretty interesting. Well, it is interesting, and what's new with Tesla, certainly an electric motor in a car, is not a new thing. No, That's no. been around for over 100 years. No. 
Uh, it was a contender. Mm-hmm. It could have been the uh, the standard for the industry. It mm-hmm. was very close, along with the uh, the, the steam. Mm-hmm. An internal combustion engine w- won out, but mm-hmm. you know, by the skin of its teeth, it mm-hmm. just happened that some people mm-hmm. uh, made that work well enough. And then, in the last hundred years, huge amounts of money—I love to know how much—have mm-hmm. been spent perfecting this really, really cumbersome thing called the internal combustion mm-hmm. engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, electric motors were there the whole time. A few people tried off and on, never made it work. So what he made, what you know, you got to give him credit for what mm-hmm. he's done, which Absolutely. he proved you could That's make right. a viable uh, company. Actually, we don't know if it's a viable company yet or not. Right. But he made a couple of great products. Made a couple of great products, and I uh, just uh, talked to a uh, Tesla owner the other day, very intelligent uh, person, very sophisticated. Said every time I get in this car, and I've had it for a couple of years, it puts a smile on my face. And I'm a car guy. This guy is an ex-product planner in a car company, and says, "Wow, you know." And even the things that are wrong with it are so much fun. Just like an old Apple like Romeo or like an old Ferrari. That's an old Ferrari. Yeah. You can actually talk with your buddies about it doesn't work for the most interesting reason. Yeah. As opposed to a regular car, it doesn't work for a really boring reason. It's boring by now. Outrageous reason. Yeah. Uh, here, goodness gracious, uh, it, uh, it's wonderful. So give the guy credit. Uh, made the electric car seem like a plausible idea. And it has absolutely created a tsunami. Absolutely. Everyone is saying they're getting into the game over the next 10 years. I saw some figures the other day that probably $100 billion uh, is going to be uh, invested in the, uh, you know, in EVs uh, between now and the the Mm mid-2020s. Yeah, and that could be a conservative estimate. It's going to be a lot of money. uh, Let's give our Chinese friends uh, an assist on the play. Absolutely. Because you didn't notice they're now driving the car industry. Well, they're uh, the biggest market, so why would they not? 40% of GM sales this year in China, more than 40% for Volkswagen. Chinese said, very simply, uh, you have to have a certain fraction of electric and a certain fraction of of hybrid, or you can't sell any of those ICEs. So maybe that's why Mary Barr decided to invest so much in EVs, because that's 40% of her market. She has absolutely no choice. There is no choice. So, uh, by the way, for Americans who are used to driving the car, uh, in this country, in that industry, we were in the driver's seat for a very long time. All the regulation stuff, Americans went first. Uh, a lot of tech, not all technology, but a lot of it, uh, Americans went first. And now suddenly here are these other characters who uh, followed our advice, by the way, to develop a market economy. And by virtue of having four times as many people, uh, it turns out they uh-huh. now get to drive the car. And we tend to think we're still in the driver's seat. Yeah, yeah. That's, but we're really uh, not. You need to, need to take a look. Yeah. So... So it makes sense, actually, that Toyota's been uh, a little bit slow with the uh, mm-hmm. EV, if they really have been slow. I think they've yeah. been working on it the whole time, as mm-hmm. they've also had their hybrids, right, right, which they right. proved could work the last 20 years. Right. An amazing, uh, amazing uh, you know, breakthrough that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, still working on hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And longer term, uh, we don't know what uh, role that's going to play, but it very likely is mm-hmm. going to have one. We just don't know exactly when that's going to come mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, EVs. Yeah. But again, putting an electric motor in a, in, a, in a car is just no big deal. People mm-hmm. have tried to do it for a long time. Mm-hmm. What happened is he made the business model work. Mm-hmm. He, and he did it mainly, I'm going to say, by really designing and producing a really good car mm-hmm. at very low volumes. Mm-hmm. And people fall in love, at, love with it, just That's as right. you're, you're the car, you're, you're, your car guy buddy right. you mentioned. And I've driven them myself. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So the real breakthrough is the original Roadster. Because the idea that people had about EVs is they're boring, slow cars. EV1. That's what an EV was. That's what General Motors did. So giving credit for recognizing so that was the wrong way to go about it. We need to get to 60 miles an hour in less than four seconds. We yeah. need 244-mile uh, range. Um, and it needs to be fun. 
And this was something that uh, all of the folks who are interested in EVs were all these grim greens. They said, driving should be fun, and we're destroying the planet, so let's find a way to drive that doesn't destroy the planet. Okay, but that doesn't uh, have actually much appeal. What you're saying is everybody ought to internalize their externalities, their carbon dioxide. Whoa, I guess I should do it, but spinach doesn't sound actually that appetizing. So he came in very simply and said, why don't we do what no one would ever think of doing, which is a very high-performance sports car that's driven by battery. Wow. And then, very important, uh, he was also going to supply the electrons. Where you get the electrons is really a key thing in this battery stuff. Absolutely. If you're going to get it from a coal-fired plant, that's one thing. If you're going to get it from your roof solar, that's something else. So the two together is what made this so powerful. I'm going to sell you the rooftop. I'm going to sell you the car. He's got the rooftop, and yeah. by the way, I'm going to sell you the battery too. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. produce yeah. those as well. Yeah. So pretty brilliant idea, and uh, boy, as a showman, um, that uh, Musk is really beyond P.T. Barnum. He's he's beyond Steve Jobs. The idea of putting an original roadster. Well, he's in the li- he's in the, in the lineage of Steve Jobs, yeah. right? That's yeah. the way he does his launches. It's, it's this like is an Apple launch. You take the original roadster. You know, there are 2,450 of them built. We can afford to send one to Mars. So now we're going to have the red roadster for the red planet. Well, I think that's I mean, his uh, in play. <laughs> I think he's going to Mars. I think he'll yeah. never come back. Yeah. Well, and he's going to go out there to pick up his roadster. Okay, it's going to be in orbit around Mars for a billion years or something. He's actually got the number he's figured out. Well, he's going to be a famous guy in the future. Yeah. <laughs> How many people yeah. living today are yeah. going to be remembered uh, a thousand, thousand years from now? He'll, right. he'll be one of them. Most famous guy on Mars. So... But you know, it, it, so that's part of what's happening in the auto industry is is, is electric. But uh, if there are three or four big trends that are converging, mm-hmm. that's the least important, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, others are this uh, autonomous driving mm-hmm. uh, and asset sharing. And mm-hmm. you put the three of those together, and you really do have an industry upheaval that's taking place. But the other two are probably a bigger thing than than, than EVs. You can still you can put an EV instead of an IC engine in a car, and it's still the same industry. I mean, you're still making something in four wheels, you're selling it the same way. But now if you start to sell it in a different way, so you're not selling it at all, but you're leasing the asset so that it's shared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you add to that autonomous driving, so we're not even driving anymore. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I like to think of myself as a car guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy not having a car. I get all around Boston just with uh, Uber and Lyft. Uh, occasionally, I'll pick up a zip car to, you know, just just for fun. It's a shocking thing for a Toyota guy, John. But go ahead. Uh, most Toyota guys, you'd be surprised, aren't car guys. Uh, I found yeah, that out. That over could there be a problem. Yeah. That, that, well, that may <laughs> that may say a lot. <laughs> this is what a lot of people had suspected. <laughs> so it's now finally revealed, right here. You can that, see it on the uh, road. Toyota a lot of guys times. are not car guys. <laughs> but say one more thing about Tesla. That's very interesting, though. That he had this brilliant idea to build this high-performance, expensive electric car which I think is exactly the wrong vehicle to share. Uh, there are two points about a Tesla. Number one, I've got more money than you've got. And number two, I'm more virtuous than you are. And all of that just goes poof in a shared mode, right? So that actually a Bolt uh, makes a lot more sense as a well, shared does. vehicle well, than any kind of Tesla. So that's an issue. Uh, now, of course, you could reskin a Tesla. You could. Uh, do whatever, but that uh, zero to 60 in less than three or less than two seconds is just not very useful uh, in shared right use, right? No, it's not. So no, it's not. therefore, uh, what was the strength? Uh, I think when you look to shared ride and uh, autonomy, 
uh, turns out actually to be a weakness rather than a strength. So uh, that's another thing for uh, Elon to uh, think about while on his way to Mars. There's a number of reasons to question whether or not uh, Tesla's going to survive. Of course, yeah. people have been speculating for a long yeah, time, but who's yeah. going to buy them? That's right. Yeah, Chrysler, GM, Ford, yeah. uh, Toyota, or Apple, or, Apple, or yeah. Google. Or the Chinese. Uh, or Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who's yeah. going to buy them? So uh, if, if the price goes low enough, John, you think LEI would put in a bid? Well, I think we could, uh, if the price goes low enough, I think that's the, uh, the key question right there. And then we could lean Tesla. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that would be, uh, I think, a fine, final gambit, a final play. I, I would uh, love to go there, reintroduce to uh, those four walls in that factory uh, what happened there, uh, you know, decades before uh, Musk took over. You know, that's another part of his, uh, his success. Well, apparent success. He got the factory for free, almost. Uh, he paid, I think, $40 million, and then uh, he had to pay a little more. In the meantime, Toyota was investing $50 million in the company. So essentially, it was free. Mm -hmm. um, and now I, th I hear rumors he's got around 10,000 people working there. Mm -hmm. Numi had it at its max about 6,000. Mm -hmm. I think this past year, he made 100,000 vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, Numi was making uh, about four times that. Mm -hmm. So uh, you just the numbers just don't add up. You'd love to go in there and make sure and just see what's happening. In fact, we hear about you know people complaining that their injuries and safety is horrible, and you hear that he's trying to deal with that by sleeping at the end of the line, literally managing things uh, by sweat to try to get things out the door. Um, whereas actually there are a lot of people right there who'd be glad to go and, and uh, help him see a different way of making things. So with Lesta, what we would do is keep all the good and just take all the Muda out. So um, that's, uh, I think, uh, if the price is right, John, I think uh, you should do it. Well, Numi always said the best, best of both worlds, so that's what it would be again, the best yeah, of both worlds. It could be the best of three worlds, who knows? It would be the best of three worlds, okay. Yeah. So Tesla is, is uh, selling cars, or he's building them, and he's at least uh, making them available to family and friends for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, he doesn't actually know that they're good enough. He left out the beta build, which was a way for him to be able to shorten the development process. Uh, but what it means is he's continuing to try out uh, the product before he can actually uh, sell it because he doesn't know if it's complete, uh, finished yet or not. But one of the things that that does is, is it also raises a question that's coming up a lot nowadays. It, with, with what's happening now with everyone trying to develop things so much faster in the new economy, do, does, does operational excellence matter anymore? So a lot of the things we've held near and dear in the lean community, uh, which is being able to execute, being able to do things well, uh, does that even matter anymore? Is, is it worth investing in supply chain? Is it worth investing in people? Mm -hmm. uh, if everything is going to be constantly dynamic and constantly changing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, what we think is that as long as you're building uh, an app, creating apps, uh, that's one story, but if you're creating any kind of physical product, then there's a different scenario that emerges, that, mm -hmm. that being able to actually do what you set out to do matters. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one of the things is to think about that just, just logically, theoretically, as we think about it. The other is the, the negative example that's taking place right now in the real world, which is what we see with Tesla, mm -hmm. that uh, he knows how to design a great car. Uh, he knows how to build at least a few in small numbers, uh, we think. But to be able to build one uh, every minute is a, to a totally different matter. And so to do that without investing in supply chain, without investing in people, is a different story. And so kind of his failure to be able mm -hmm. to sell uh, products e even now when mm -hmm. he promised them last summer mm -hmm. is a testimony to that, I would think. Mm -hmm. You could look at it the other way from the Tesla standpoint, that as long as you're doing something new and it has new capability, new functionality, excitement, you don't actually have to get it right. 
So let's suppose that the future of the company is this continuous uh, string of new ideas. So we got the Model 3 sort of headed toward production. Now it's time to shift the focus entirely to the Model Y. And then once we get that sorted toward production, we'll shift the focus to the semi. And then it's time for the electric pickup. And so and therefore... The new, and the new roadster, don't forget the new, the new roadster. That's roadster. right. So that uh, you train the condition, the customer, that uh, these things are never really going to work brilliantly the way, uh, for example, the Prius did right out of the box. Right out of the box. The very it was first an amazing Prius success. was an amazing thing that it actually worked. Of course, we're talking um, about cars, and so safety does matter. Safety does matter. So uh, there's some things that really do need to right. work right out of the box. So we like to think in the lean community that continuity is really important because we think you ought to develop capability in every employee rather than find new employees. We think we are, you ought to find a way to use these assets that you have developed rather than just uh, throwing them aside. We think you should keep your promises. Keep your promises and all that. You uh, should uh, continuity mean is what good. you say, say what you mean. Continuity is good. And this is a business that to this point has been built on the premise that change is better and that things will be forgiven. And promises are okay, but things will be forgiven uh, don't if you take, don't fulfill don't the promise. Them, don't take them too seriously because you can't predict the future. So really interesting. That, so far uh, it's worked. I mean, he's yeah. able to just yeah. keep collecting money on top well, of Well, no, it's worked in the sense that he has developed a series of products that hasn't worked that he's been able to make any money. Well, John, I think that's enough thinking for today. We probably ought to go do something. Think uh, we should go visit the Gimba somewhere? Let's, let's go get going. Let's go find the Gimba to go visit. I think that would be the best thing we could do today. I think you're right. Let's go. Let's go. Is there a topic that you'd like to see Jim or John explore? Perhaps someone else at LEI? Maybe just give us some feedback. You can send your feedback to pod, P-O-D, at lean.org. Once again, that's pod, P-O-D, at lean.org. We'll be taking your questions, your suggestions, and your feedback and making this podcast better each time. Thank you for listening. <laughs>